passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, July 6th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Matt Baxendell. Man, as the uh, conference expansion turns, this is crazy. It looked like Notre Dame, my friend, was on the verge of joining the Big Ten. Multiple reports surfaced last night from reputable reporters saying, uh-uh, they are not joining the Big Ten. They're going to stay independent, at least for now. Um I'm surprised. I would like to know how much money they're leaving on the table, backs, because we know with the new TV deals for the Big Ten, especially now getting the L.A. schools, it's going to be right around $100 million a season per Big Ten institution. And I can't imagine Notre Dame with their NBC deal and whatever they're making with their ACC cut as well, with their pseudo you know, alliance with that conference, maybe half that. Why, are, why is the Big Ten not joining, uh, or why is Notre Dame not joining the Big Ten in your mind? Is it stubbornness? Do they have maybe – a different end game uh, in mind here. What are your thoughts on this? I don't think Notre Dame will join a conference until the playoff structure changes in a way that makes it prohibitive for them to make the playoffs. By that, I mean Notre Dame, when the playoff was supposed to expand from four to 12, there was all these spots for them to fit in, right? Depending how these conferences shake out, if it shakes out that the, the conference winners are the only ones in or whatever, then that's going to force their hand and make them join a conference. But the reality is right now, Notre Dame doesn't need to join a conference to make a playoff. They still value their independence as being something special. And at the end of the day, uh, Notre Dame, look, they could end up joining the Big Ten. There's no question about it. It makes more sense money-wise. That $100 million valuation was before the L.A. schools joined. So there could be an unbelievable amount of money on the table here. But – I think Notre Dame at this point is trying to stick to their independence and until there's a structure in place that prohibitively prevents them from making the playoffs, which means that the playoff switches to the champs of the big four league, because it sounds like the, the big 12 and the Pac-12 somewhere are going to combine. That seems like, well, that, that's going on there. The ACC is stuck together another decade with that grant of rights. I don't care how many legal ways they look at it. In no terms unequivocally can any of them get out of it. And then, of course, the SEC and Big Ten. If, it, if this playoff structure in a year or two comes together where everybody says, screw you, Notre Dame, it's going to be the big four conference champions that get in and that's it, then that's going to force their hand. Until then, I don't believe they're going to. I put it in the bucket this past weekend that I didn't think they would until we got to that spot. And 
when it comes time to join a conference, then we'll have a real conversation with them. But I, I'm, I'm not convinced Notre Dame's going to do anything unless it's kicking and screaming and being dragged to it. Yeah, let's get a question in here. Um, I like this. This is from Yakov on YouTube. Very loyal listener. Always commenting, too. Um, wants to know, does Stanford, if they join, does Stanford, Washington, and Oregon add financial value to the upcoming TV deal? I don't really think it does because, like, especially now if you don't have Notre Dame, why would you add those schools yeah. and split the pie even more? Yeah, you're adding – I get that you're adding the Bay Area media market, but I don't think it would be worth it adding those three schools if Notre Dame's not coming. We already got the killer. That's the L.A. market and the two L.A. schools. The rest of this killer. People are like, oh, my gosh, Oregon's a big deal. Oregon's only been a big deal in college football like the last 10 years. Hardly any people live in the state of Oregon. What TV markets do they bring? Right, they are a bunch of highlighter uniforms with Nike contracts. Like that's not a big deal. UW would be better to bring Seattle. Seattle's actually a pretty sizable and growing TV market, but they're so far flung from the rest of the league that it's kind of one of the things. Like, is it really worth it? Right, bringing Washington is essentially like getting Maryland. There's a big TV deal involved. The team is sometimes good, sometimes not. It's maybe like third or fourth on the sports radar in town at best, kind of like the Perps are in D.C. So I don't see the point there. And come on, Stanford can't even draw 35,000 people to a football game. So the, they had to decrease the size of their stadium because nobody went to it. And I can't think of a school culturally that fits less with the Big Ten than Stanford in the Bay Area. So at the end of the day, I, unless you get Notre Dame, and Notre Dame says, hey, we play Stanford every year, add them as another team so that we can be playing a lot of West Coast games and get their whole national footprint, there is no reason to bring them. All right? We've already got the killer. We don't need the filler for fun now. Another question I'm going to get to here before we move on to other topics. Um, this is from Larry on YouTube. It says, good morning, Bucknutters. If Notre Dame is not coming, who would be the next best school to take? I don't know. I mean, without Notre Dame, I really think they're going to stand pat. I, I'm still yeah. intrigued by uh, North Carolina. Um, you know, Pipe it's a dream. huge school. I mean, they're they're a. I think they're a little. They have more potential in football. They're known as a basketball school, obviously. I think they have more potential in football than people realize. Huge school, big alumni fan base. Um, you get the Charlotte uh, media market plus the Rally media market. I know they're in Chapel Hill, but um, I don't know who. If Notre Dame doesn't join. I think they should just stand pat at 16. But is there another school out there that you would like to see them join? Let's put it this way. North Carolina, to me, is an absolute no. Uh, you know what North Carolina is? Hey, it's a good media market. We don't have a school that could be better at football, that's better known for basketball, that's a big school. You know what that is? It's Maryland. Right? We don't need a better version one. of Maryland. It's a way better version of Maryland. It's still Maryland. Like, <laughs> Anybody who thinks that basketball is driving expansion is nuts. Expansion is driven by football, and it's driven by whether they can work with, with the Committee for Institutional Cooperation, which is the research arm of the Big Ten, which is annually 10 times bigger than any football contract. So let's keep that all clear here. So I don't see a single school out there that's realistic. Now, if you told me Texas was back in the mix, sure. But a single realistic school out there, all the ACC schools, A, are not realistic because of the grant of rights, and B, like, I hear Georgia Tech. Let me tell you something about Georgia Tech. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. 
Georgia Tech is behind high school football in the pecking order in Atlanta. People in Atlanta care more about Georgia Bulldogs. They care more about the Atlanta Falcons. They care more about Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama. Georgia Tech is an afterthought. That would be stupid. So there's not many schools out there that are the juice is not worth the squeeze on most of them. What do we t- say about Big Ten expansion going back to the start of all this? Penn State, juice is worth the squeeze. Nebraska, in theory, the juice was worth the squeeze. Unfortunately, they've sunk for the last 15 years, 20 years of the program, but at least you can get, you get the point behind it, right? The two Eastern schools were pure TV bucks. That was all everybody was going for was television money. That's it. That was stupid. The juice wasn't worth the squeeze. Now we've got the L.A. schools. The juice is worth the squeeze. There's no other school out there, realistically, that the juice would be worth the squeeze. There's nothing in the Pac-10 or, or Big 12 that, that's a leftover that's worth it. There are precious few ACC schools that are even remotely in consideration because if you look at all the basics that we just talked about, Florida State and Clemson are not academically strong enough to be able to add it to the research arm of the Big Ten, no matter how good they have or have not been at football in the past. So the ACC, to me, is kind of like a waste of a conversation. So unless you're going to go get Texas and Oklahoma or something like that, then we wait on Notre Dame and we wait on whoever we need to get balanced conference up to bring with Notre Dame, which would probably be somebody like Stanford that would make Notre Dame happy. And, or if you want to get real interesting on it, if we end up dragging this out for a while, I could see Notre Dame coming in, but asking to bring in one of their other historical rivals and asking for someone like Boston College. But that's, again, part of the ACC, and that's 10 years out before any of them can go anywhere. Yakov says the engineer Bax should want Georgia Tech in. Well, Bax has a good engineering school already in with Ohio State, and we got Purdue uh, in the Big Ten. Some analytical thoughts as an engineer. We don't math. Yeah. The math doesn't add up for Georgia Tech. No, 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 no. As you mentioned, I mean, I didn't. Even, I've used the example of Georgia there, where yeah, of course Georgia Tech's right smack dab in the middle of Atlanta. I get that, but even in Atlanta, Georgia Bulldogs just completely trumped them. I didn't even know the high school football angle but you make a good point there um all right now let's get into this next one here this is so interesting to me so it wasn't that long ago meaning like a year ago or less that the big 12 of the power five which is really now the power two and the other three we'll see of the three how many even exist the big 12 was the joke of the five and this, they were kind of a joke backs even before Texas and Oklahoma left. It was like, well, at least they have Texas and Oklahoma. And then they left. It's like, what are they even doing? Um, now reports surfaced along with the stuff about Notre Dame last night that of the other three, the Big 12, the ACC, and of course the Pac-12, which looks, looks like it's just going to dissipate. Um, the Big 12 actually has put itself in the best position. Now it's ironic. It's because nobody else wants the current, Eight members and then the four new members are going to make up the Big 12. But it sounds like maybe the Big 12 is going to, if you believe some of these reports, maybe add Colorado, which is interesting because Colorado left the Big 12 for the uh, Pac-12. Maybe add Utah, which would make sense because BYU is joining the the Big 12. And maybe adding the Arizona schools, Arizona, Arizona State, and getting to 16 themselves. Do you buy this, that all of a sudden the Big 12 of the other three is in the best spot? Not Not a chance. But, ACC? The, well, the ACC is locked in. The ACC can't move. And the ACC already has a relationship with Notre Dame. So the ACC to me is very clearly the it, – it's the two Super Leagues. Then it's the ACC who contractually cannot go anywhere. And then it's the other two are going to combine some way or another. 
whether it's the big pack 16 or whatever we call it. But the reality to me is I don't see the big 12 being super duper strong compared to the, even the pack 10 now without the LA school. Look at the league that's still there on the West coast. You've still got Washington, Oregon, Stanford, Cal, Arizona state, Utah. That's the basis of a strong league. Who's in the other league right now? Like what's the best school? Is it Oklahoma state? Is it Cincinnati coming in? Like, the reality is, I don't see how the Big 12 can pull Pac-12 schools to them. It should be – the way I expect this to pan out is that the Pac-10 is going to turn into the Pac-16, and they're going to probably be the ones who are talking to BYU about coming to the Pac-12 to play with B- Utah for the Holy War, right? They're the ones that are able to sit there and say, hey, the three Texas schools, we want you. Why in the world it, – it, 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 here's the thing. It, the people who are going to be fighting hardest for the Big 12 survival are Iowa State and Kansas State, frankly, even Kansas and Oklahoma State, because I don't know if the, a Pac-12 expansion would include those schools. But meanwhile, out west, the schools are going to be fighting to keep the Pac-12 together the most. They're going to be like uh, Oklahoma, or going to be Oregon State, going to be Washington State. The schools that are going to be sitting there, the ones that have the most to lose are the ones who are going to be fighting for their conference to remain in place the most. I don't understand, though, how, why the Big 12 would be the base for all this, especially with a lot of the chaff schools that have been added in recent years to it. So I feel bad for Cincinnati when they're finally theoretically getting into a big league and it's falling apart. But at the end of the day, the Pac-10, as what's left over, is still a far better football league with a lot more eyeballs on it than what the Big 12 is that is as exists today after losing Texas and Oklahoma, where you have – the second tier of schools in the state of Texas, the B team from the state of Iowa and the state of Oklahoma, which aren't big states anyways, the state of Kansas where almost no one lives, and then some floaters like West Virginia and Cincinnati. To me, the Pac-12 is in, or what's left of it is in such a better position to be a good football league. I wrote this in the bucket last weekend. Get the three Texas schools, get BYU, and get San Diego State and Fresno State to lock up California's eyeballs I mean, San Diego is a bigger market than anywhere in the um, states of Iowa or Kansas or Oklahoma. So, like, if we're talking about television eyeballs and impact, that's your answer there. And so I think the West Coast is where it's still going to hold. The Big 12 has always been geographically in the middle, therefore easily poachable in different directions. I don't understand how that's going to hold when they get more geographically disparate. And I think the real word that's going to come out of this is desperate. That sounds like television or or, or news press spinning to me. Because if you're Iowa State, you better hope like hell the Big 12 stays together. Nobody wants you otherwise. And you're going to be designated to a second-tier status. And I think that's the real battle going on here. Who gets left behind? One more question on this, then we're going to move on to actual Ohio State football topics. So looking ahead to this fall, the Buckeyes. Buckeyes have a really good roster for those who didn't know. I know everybody knows this. They're really good. I love this roster. I love this coaching staff. We'll get into it in a second. One more on this, though. Nick from Facebook, or excuse me, from uh, YouTube wants to know, what is the number of teams that the Super Conferences will stop at? Will they stop here at 16? Will they go to 20? Might they go as high as 24? I will say at last week's press conference with Gene Smith and Dr. Johnson, reading now at the time, Gene Smith was basically saying he wants Notre Dame in the Big Ten. That seems to not have gone away, but uh, doesn't look like it's going to happen. 
Reading between the lines from what they said back, so it sounded like they were they were not going to be stopping at 16, probably. Now I don't know what the calculus is. I think it's going to be 16 for now. If I had to bet, I think eventually the Big Ten and the SEC will go to 20. I don't know when that'll be. It won't be maybe as soon as we thought. What do you think? You go stay at 16, go to 20, go as much to 24? Where do you think this ends? Well, I, I, you can make 20 work just like you make 16 work on a schedule model, right? And I think uh, the way I, I had written this in the bucket last weekend talking about it is if you play a nine-game conference schedule with 16 teams, then it makes a lot of sense to split into four pods. You play three get locked teams from your pod. You play three locked teams from each of the other pods, and you rotate everybody else through. And if you play a 10-game schedule, you play everybody within a two-year or three-year period. You'd have to go up to a 10- or 11-game conference schedule. Which for the record, I think that what this is doing is it's, it's, it's consolidating into more pure conference play. We may have seasons where they play 10 or 11 conference games and only one or two out of conference games going forward in five years. Uh, but what I think is going to happen is I don't think anybody goes past 16 until Notre Dame makes a damn decision because 16 makes sense logistically. It's, we've been saying four conferences of 16 since, what, 2005? Something like that, Dave? I mean, this has been 20 years we've been talking about it coming to this. Just because logistically, schedule-wise, and everything else, it works out. Plus four teams, it's four teams in the playoffs. Each conference gets a champion. Now, I could see the playoffs expanding a little bit out here where the Big Ten and the, and the SEC decide that they want it to be an eight-team playoff with no guaranteed spots because they want to have more of their teams get in. But if you do that and there's no guarantee for champions or there's four at-larges every year in the playoff, what do you think Notre Dame's going to do? They're going to keep chuckling about it. They're going to keep collecting their money. And they're going to keep being the independent school because that's what sets them apart. And then nobody's going to have a reason to go past 16. I don't think unless Notre Dame chooses to join a league, I don't think any league goes past 16 for the next 10 years. And the reason I say that is the SEC has no one to expand to outside of the ACC schools that they would add, like Clemson or Florida State or even Miami, right? They would expand for them, but they can't. Until the grant of rights to the ACC TV deal, which if you're listening, you don't know what that means. All the ACC schools, as part of their recent contract, pledged their TV rights, whether they're in the league or not, to the ACC until the mid 2030s. So they're stuck. They're absolutely stuck. And there's nowhere for the SEC to expand. What are they going to do? Add West Virginia? No. So the SEC has no reason to expand right now. Waiting 10 years. In 10 years, this could all be a different story. I, I'm i not saying it won't eventually go above 16. But unless Notre Dame chooses to do something in the next 10 years, the, the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are going to consolidate together into some mishmash of a league. Maybe that comes into 18 teams. Who knows, right? But the other three leagues are going to be no more than 16 until Notre Dame chooses to do something. And if Notre Dame chooses to do something, they might be able to bend the ACC over and get a double uh, – a, a double share of TV money anyways, just to help keep that league together. Right. And then they, if that would be what it would require for the, the ACC to get Notre Dame, I'm not saying Notre Dame wouldn't consider that to be essentially the, the powerhouse school in a conference versus having to share a conference with Ohio state and Penn state and Michigan and USD and all these other names. Right. That's a discussion point too. But and, unless Notre Dame does something, we're 10 years away from people going past 16. It's my humble opinion. All right, let's talk some actual Buckeye football. Um, specifically, what? Are we allowed to do that? I, I think we're allowed to. Uh, wait, we can talk about whatever we want to. So, yes, we're allowed to. Uh, it, I mean, the, I do find, in all seriousness, I find the conference expansion stuff 
Uh, very, very interesting. But we've talked about it nonstop here for the last few days, and we're still going to be talking about it. I mean, uh, there'll still be like, you know, you know, multiple reports, I'm sure, tonight that's going to refute everything that we said on the show today. Um, but oh, yeah, uh, I'm sure. you can find the drama. Notre Dame will join the Big Ten in four hours, and I'll right. look Oh, yeah, breaking news. Notre Dame. No, I'm kidding. I, don't, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> are going to think I'm serious. It's coming across the ticker right now. Notre Dame to the – no, I'm kidding. Um, Notre Dame is staying independent for now, my, my friends who are just tuning in. Uh, we'll see if that happens. But specifically, JT Tuimoloau. Uh, we've seen it time and time again where a big-time prospect comes in, looks good as a freshman, and then takes that big jump as a sophomore. Um, now, Joey Bosa, I'm not going to say it's like that because Joey Bosa started as a true freshman. Um, yeah. Got here early, you know. And, you know, JT didn't get here till like the end of July. In fact, I don't think Joey Bosa actually did enroll early now that I think about it. I think he got in here in the summertime and just tore it up. Anyway, Joey Bosa from freshman, even though he was good as a freshman, just broke out as a sophomore. Chase Young's breakout year was mostly his junior year, but he took a big jump from true freshman to sophomore. As a sophomore, Chase Young, especially after Nick Bosa went down, Chase Young had, um, I believe, eight and a half sacks that year, maybe even more, and then broke out big time as a junior in 2019, set the all-time sack record here at Ohio State. So I expect huge things out of JT Tuimoloau and Jack Sawyer, but I'm going to focus on JT Tuimoloau on this show. Am I expecting too much? Because I, I need him to just be a game wrecker out there. I don't need him to be like, well, yeah, he's, he's improved a little bit since last year. This is the year as a sophomore where these guys can just make a huge jump. I expect JT, full year of Coach Mick under his belt now, He's a, he's a little lost a little weight. He's a lot stronger. He's even quicker. Number one player in the country coming out of high school last year. Can he be an All American this year, Bax? Will he be? Well, will he be is TBA. Can he be? Absolutely. And I, here's the simple answer on JTC. The guy came in so late by modern standards, right? Even the kids who don't enroll early are in by June usually, and they get a full summer of conditioning integration into the team, figuring out how to be a college student. JTT, with the way that he handled his recruitment and as long as he took to make his decision, didn't get the benefit of any of that. He's the latest arriving freshman at Ohio State in 20 years, I believe, which is insane. I mean, he essentially enrolled with the students, right? Like for, for fall, that's the way he, he ended up arriving on campus. So uh, this is a guy who didn't really have a, anything resembling an offseason last year. He's a guy who was never a full-year-round football player anyways with his basketball commitments in high school. So now that he spent the whole year focusing on football, yeah, I expect a ton out of the kid this year. A ton. I mean, he was already one of our better D linemen last year, to be quite honest. But Sawyer, Tyleek, and JTT are the three. They're the three I'm expecting big years from. They're the ones who were probably our three best D linemen last year anyway. And I think JTT – plain and simple this year, you know, we've been spoiled, right? We've been so spoiled by having the Bosa brothers and Chase Young, which is like the guy you take control of in the video game and he just flows around the end and you stack the quarterback three straight plays. For those of you who used to play NCAA football before the game was canceled eight years ago, we've had that guy for, for so long. And when we don't have him, it almost feels like our line's not good enough. The reality is those guys are just incredibly special players. JTT or Jack Sawyer could easily be that player. And I have very high hopes for JTT this year. But the reality is, I don't think he was in a position to succeed at the level he wanted to last year just because of the circumstances of him arriving on campus. So, yeah, optimism is the name of the game right now for me with him. 
Yeah, and speaking of DNs, we have a question here that I want to get to about Zach Harrison. I'm sure a lot of people are wondering about Zach Harrison. This comes from Ryan on YouTube. He says, what are you guys seeing Harrison about seeing and hearing about Zach Harrison on the practice field? Is he finally going to live up to expectations this fall? Now, if you're expecting Zach Harrison to be an All-American this year, I would say temper your expectations. If you're expecting Zach Harrison to play his best football of his Buckeye career, that's where I'm at. And I think I keep using the example of Steve Miller in 2014. You know, high prospect, not quite as high as Zach Harrison, but still a highly sought-after prospect, high four-star, where Zach was a five-star uh, kid from Ohio. Didn't really do much his first three years. I would say Zach's first three years were better than Steve Miller's first three years. And then as a senior, Steve Miller had a very solid year. Pick six against Alabama, was a starter, um, and wasn't a star. So my point is, I think Zach Harrison as a senior will be better than what Steve Miller was as a senior, and Steve Miller was very solid. So I don't think Zach Harrison is going to be a star, backs, but I do expect him to be very solid, and I think that top three at DN, I love it. With Tuimolo Al, Sawyer, and Harrison, I think the first two, the sophomores, have star potential as early as this year certainly later in their career. Uh, but I expect Zach Harrison to at least hold it down and be a good player for the Buckeyes this year. Zach Harrison suffered from all the hype that was thrust upon him. He was a five-star because he has unbelievable physical tools and size that are granted gifts to precious few people, right? And the issue with Zach Harrison was is that his, his rating was as much about the physical abilities are way more about the physical potential than it was about him as a football player. So what we've seen from, from Zach Harrison over his career is flashes of that just freak physical ability. We haven't seen anything resembling consistency. And, man, everybody talks about Zach Harrison. This was last year in the offseason. All the mock drafts always have him as a first-rounder because of the physical ability. You know what my last memory of Zach Harrison is? Coming out of the Rose Bowl where – Utah ran the ball at him on third and one, and he made a play, and they stopped him. And Utah showed so little respect for the film he had put up this year that they ran the exact same play right at him again on fourth down, and that one went for a long touchdown. So, to me, I don't want to dump on the kid. He went to high school out that window and about a half a mile from me, right? Like, I want the kid to succeed. <laughs> but I haven't seen your kids will go. Your kids will go to Olentangy Orange High School if you stay in your house. Actually, weirdly enough, they go to Olentangy with the Braves versus Orange. But yeah, oh, okay. I, so I think that's where that's where uh, future, um, you know, perhaps Ohio State quarterback R.J. Day will be playing. I believe I believe he's going to Olentangy. Oh, Braves. Right. I think I always thought it was Orange, but I think he's regular Olentangy. Going to be an I eighth grader. Going to be an eighth grader this year. And we're hearing shocking that Ryan Day's son is good at, at quarterbacking, but R.J. It sounds like he is. Not saying he's going to be like a prodigy or anything, but he could step right in as a freshman next year at Olentangy and be the starter. Anyway, go ahead. I, I cut you off there a little bit. Well, when we're talking Olentangy high school football, I watched Zach Harrison numerous times in, in high school, and you can see he was a head taller than everybody, right? But there were a lot of games he was fairly invisible. There were a lot of games they played him at tight end versus on defensive end. And, you know, I think we're trying to make something of this kid that maybe he's not. What he might be is a, kid, a huge frames kid. That has, you know, it has to, has to figure out the motor side of it, and I hope the kid has a great year. I do, but he's in total show me zone because last year from him was really pedestrian, and 
the year before when he had the sacks, you know, he was still the guy that came on in pass rush situations, and they used him where they couldn't to fit what he could do well at the time. But he got exposed last year in a lot of ways. And I think he's he's clearly behind the younger guys. And I also didn't like the fact that we had no leadership from the upperclassmen on the D-line either. Right. So these are things that, you know, Zach Harrison is the, 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 the face of. Zach Harrison is the representative face of the senior D-line that didn't lead a lot last year, that got pushed around a lot last year, that hasn't really lived up to expectations on the defense the last two years. So I'd love Zach Harrison to have a great year. He has the physical tools to do it. Good but kid, too. What? Smart kid, good yeah, kid. I smart. Feel like, I feel like he's going to not be a star. I feel like he's going to put it together this year and make Buckeye fans happy. Again, not superstar happy. That's where JT and, and Jack Sawyer come in, right? But, um, hey, we just had a commenter say, that, hey, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Harrison is going to be a star this year. He's going to turn into a first-round pick. I'll be thrilled if that happens. If that happens, I'll be really happy and really surprised. That ha- so. I'm going to pull a Joe Burrow. If that happens, I like how Steph Curry was mimicking Joe Burrow there in the finals after Chris like, ring. Like, yeah, a little shout out to JB there. Here's the receipt. Come mock me all you want, right? Because right now, Zach Harrison is a lot closer to Taco Charlton than he is a first rounder with the Buckeyes. So. There we go. All right, great show. Going almost a half hour again. Thanks to Bax. Great insights from Bax. You can read his column, of course, every Sunday. It is the bucket. Must read material on Bucknuts. Thank you to Mr. Baxendale. Thank you, of course, to all of our listeners and viewers out there. Appreciate you guys so much. As always, shameless plug. If you like the show, like, subscribe. Give us a five-star review, depending on whatever platform you're watching or listening on. Uh, Really appreciate it. Um, Thank you so much to all of you for tuning in. Hope everyone has a great day. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast.